Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mike Wise Show. This week in part three of our four-part series on the North Carolina basketball family, we'll discuss how legendary coach Dean Smith was so much more than a basketball coach. He was a teacher, a life coach, and a man of character with a perfectly aligned moral compass. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thanks, Darlene. Our panel of UNC greats is back this week. George Lynch was the leader of the 1993 National Champs. George is co-founder of HBCU Heroes and a partner in Legends Brand USA. George Carl played at UNC in the early 1970s, became one of the most successful coaches in NBA history, and belongs in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Matt Doherty played and coached at UNC and several other schools, and is the author of Rebound, From Pain to Passion, Leadership Lessons Learned. At North Carolina, Coach Smith was clearly the undisputed boss, but he respected all of his players and always treated them like family. And as our panel told my producer and co-host Bruce Bernstein, he backed them up with more than just words. Brad Doherty told us a story one time about a crooked cop who pulled him over in college. He was driving back to campus from his uh, home in, in the western part of the state. He had a white female classmate in the car with him. And when Brad told Coach Smith what happened, Coach just went off and he tracked down this cop. He accused him of racism. He absolutely went after the guy. George Lynch, are there any stories like that that you can relate to from your time with Coach Smith where he really put himself out there in a, on a very specific case that he was outraged by? Uh, I believe when, uh, well, when I was in school, you know, the, the late 80s to the early 90s, uh, on campus there was a, a protest that the students was trying to get a Black culture center. We didn't have a, a place that minority students could go and, and, and socialize. And they were trying to drum up football players and basketball players and, and other athletes to be involved. But of course, basketball and football were kind of the leaders on campus when it came to students, student activity. And I was approached, and I'm sure a few other players was approached, and, and Coach Smith had a team meeting and was like, listen, don't do something just because people ask you to if if you've done your research, it's something you're passionate about. Uh, he was full, fully in support of, of students being on, being on campus, being active and, and speaking their voice, uh, you know, no matter what side of the, the aisle they were on. And uh, I remember him giving us the, the support and courage to stand up with our, um, our student body and, and fight for a student center. I, I, I remember that vividly. Coach Carl, uh, Dean Smith coached men, not players. The, the word is that he always wanted his players to be gentlemen. 
Any examples that you can share? Well, I think he was, I mean, more than anything else, he was, his memory of alumni and people he knew was amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm, I would be walking with Coach Smith in a football game or, you know, after a practice, and he would introduce everybody to me. You remember, this was John. You met him at a high point. Uh, he just wanted you to be communicative. Uh, he wanted you to be a gentleman. Uh, he was really a stickler on time. Uh, he didn't want you to waste other people's time by being late. Uh, he wanted you to look in people's eyes when you talk. Just the simple things of being a man. Uh, be responsible. Be respectful uh, to to everybody. You know. I, you know. I. We were talking about uh, you know some of the things with racism. I was there during the Vietnam War, and there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. Our school got closed down. And my freshman year, my freshman year was, it was closed down because of the protests going on, on campus. And, and that lasted all through my time at Carolina. And I was somewhat vocal against the war. And he never, ever questioned my thought. You know, he, he always talked to you about doing it the right way. But he wanted you to have strong opinions, both on, on, on your emotions, on your philosophies, on your religion. He wanted you to be your own man in many ways. And I've said it a thousand times. He's a hell of a basketball coach, but he's a better coach of men than he is of basketball. Coach Doherty, any thoughts on that? Uh, when, when Coach Carl was talking, just the awareness Coach Smith had. I, I, I Again, I, I had a client meeting this morning with a, a business owner, and I brought up Coach Smith because we were talking about culture. And I said he was one of the smartest men I've ever been around. Um, you know, he, he could talk about, so he could have, he could have been the CEO at GE, IBM, Xerox, but he just happened to love basketball and, 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 um, thank God he did, uh, for all of us who played for him. His awareness was just uncanny, you know, his social awareness, obviously. And for a New Yorker, and I, I've, I've shared this with my kids. You know, you, you come down and now I've been in the South more than I've been in the North. And it's rude when Northerners come down to, I live in North Carolina, they come down and say, ah, you know, the bagels aren't as good down here. The pizza's not as good. Oh, the culture's not as good. You want to say, well, screw you, go back to New York. But when I was, <clears throat> when I was a freshman, he said to us, to me, hey, don't compare anything to New York. He says, that'll be rude. People will take that as being rude. You know, you're in the South now and it's different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's different. Just don't compare and say, every, you know, things are better at home in New York because that will turn people off. Coach Smith was born in Kansas and played for legendary coach Fog Allen, who was a direct disciple of the inventor of basketball, Dr. James Naismith. Dean Smith moved to North Carolina at the age of 27. And as Matt Doherty described, he was very old school in his belief that you respect the area that you're now a part of. Coach Smith also wasn't a fan of players reading the stat sheet after a game. There was another number that meant much more to him, 96. So 
Coach Smith had two very important numbers associated with his career. Yeah, he won 78% of his games over his 36 years, but he had 96% graduation rate, uh, George Lynch. Um, is that even more of a legacy than his incredible record as a coach? I think it is. Um, and, and the people who, 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 who played and, and been a part of the Carolina way and family, uh, we all know that, that Coach Guffridge also played a big part of that. Uh, I can remember it was days and, I mean, it pretty much not a day that went by that, that, that Coach Guffridge didn't have a, a, a notebook in his hand and, and have reports on guys' classes, their schedule, their teachers, uh, their, their, their grades. Uh, and that was very important. You know, when, when Coach Smith came into my living room to recruit me, he was one of the few coaches that stressed uh, that he would promise our parents that he would see that we went to class, we went to church, and we were on track to graduate. And, and I know Coach Carr and, and Coach Doherty talked about, uh, you know, he also didn't promise playing time. You had to earn it. That was one of the, 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 the key components for my family, my father and my mom, mother, uh, that he, he talked about making sure that his players graduated. Coach Doherty, what would piss off Coach Smith more, missing a screen or missing a class? Oh, well, he wasn't real happy with either one, but uh, I know this, you'd get, you'd get up at 6 a.m., like Coach Carl said, and, and, and run with Coach Guthridge for a missed class, for a missed screen, you know, you, you might get chastised uh, or, or he'd do this to me. The worst thing he could do to me in practice was say, uh, Darty Exum changed jerseys. And he'd go like this. And that meant Cecil Exum, who was on the second team, would take my spot on the first team. And I would change jerseys to the blue jersey. So, you know, if I missed a box out, you know, and Cecil got the offensive rebound, Darty Exum changed jerseys. I mean, oh, my God. That was the worst thing. <laughs> Coach Carl, I'm going to give you the last word on this segment. Um, did uh, did Coach Smith ever give you the uh, switch jersey treatment in practice? Uh, yeah, he got mad at me a couple times on four corners. And four corner drills were what was a good shot and what was an okay shot and what a shot you're allowed in. You know, so every once in a while, I'd break out in four corners and I'd shoot a five-foot running layup. And he would always uh, then make me change and say, that's not what we want. We don't want only uncontested layups at the, in the four corners. And, you know, four corners was kind of the opportunity for the point guard to play a little bit. And he kind of thought I took that, I took the privilege a little too far. <laughs> and it was, and the hammer was brought down in a very, very demonstrative, but, but quiet, you know, polite way. While those practices at Carmichael Auditorium created unbreakable bonds between the players on each of his teams, there was a tradition of non-mandatory pickup games at Carmichael that went on well after Tar Heel players graduated. All of the great UNC players would return to Carmichael for summer pickup games that were very intense and competitive. Here's Sam Perkins. Players came back on their own in the summertime to play against the current team. And they still do that all the way down since I can remember. So. When I was playing, and there's a freshman or sophomore, 
Walter Davis was back, um, uh, Michael Corrin, um, Cupcheck. Um, these guys, uh, Dudley Bradley, these guys would come back and play against us, give us time. And But they also came back to see Dean Smith, and that's how much respect and appreciation they have for him to the point where we – I mean, that's how – and we followed that culture. And the, so when I finished, I came back and Worthy came back, so on and so on, Jack, Jerry Stackhouse, Sean May, who's there now. I mean, we all came back and did, did that because of Coach Smith. Please join us next week on the Mike Wise Show as we present the final part of our series on the North Carolina basketball family. Our panel will share stories of Tar Heel legends like Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins, and James Worthy. Sam has a story about Coach Carl that is laugh out loud funny. You won't want to miss it. Thank you to our outstanding editor, Kristen Woolley. If you're enjoying this series, we featured some selected video segments from our Carolina family members on the Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search Pure Hoops Media. For my producer and co-host Bruce Bernstein, I'm Mike Wise. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.